Good morning. First day, um, by way of announcement, uh, as we continue our Martin Luther uh, King Jr. Day celebration, uh, this evening at 7.30 here in the chapel, uh, we're going to have a special uh, time together and a special evening. Um, we'll have music with uh, James Ward. He'll be leading us in song. And there will be a number of uh, different readings uh, of Dr. King's works by students, faculty, and staff. So please come out and uh, continue to celebrate. Uh, it is my privilege to introduce our speaker today, uh, Pastor Alton Hardy. Uh, I met Pastor Hardy at General Assembly um, this last summer, and we had an opportunity to sit on couches and just chat for a good hour or so. And, and as we talked about that, oh, what a blessing it is to, uh, to meet this guy, and, and I'd love for him to meet us. So uh, Pastor Hardy is a native of uh, Selma, Alabama. He had a pit stop in Louisville before spending 30 years in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, he has uh, a wife and five children, and he has recently returned uh, four years ago uh, to plant Urban Hope Ministries Church in uh, Fairfield, Alabama. So if you would, please give a warm Scots welcome to Pastor Alton Hardy. Good morning, Covenant College. It is so good to be here this morning and to be able to speak um, on this day. Um, one of the greatest, my, one of my greatest leaders outside Jesus Christ himself, Dr. King, uh, about a little about 12 years ago, I was um, preaching at a conference outside Grand Rapids called Holly, Michigan. It was a men's conference. I think it was only, I, think it was, I may have been the only black guy in the room. I think I was. And I was sharing a story about my upbringing from Selma, rural Selma, and some of my life experiences and things of that nature. And I was crying. I'm a big crybaby. I don't, I don't plan on crying today, but I might cry. But but I, was, I remember I was crying at this time, and anyhow, a guy who was about 80 years old, I thought he didn't like what I was saying because I was talking about Jesus, the gospel, reconciliation, unity, and how Jesus takes away the sting of vengeance, bitterness, and et cetera. And he had done that in my life. And anyway, the guy got up and left. I, you know, people get up and walk out, go in the usual restroom or go in, I don't know. Maybe they didn't have cell phones in those days. I don't know what he was doing. But anyhow, he comes back. Comes back. Service was over. He said, I want to pray for you. I was led by the Holy Spirit to go home in the Christian Reformed Church. And first of all, he kind of scared me. He said, Holy Spirit. I said, okay. We <laughs> so I, I like this guy already. <laughs> but anyway, he, he said, I want to give you something. So it's been in my family for over 40-some years. I had it in a safe, and so my wife told me to make sure I bring this book back because it's, it's worth some money. And this, this old white gentleman, Dutch guy, um, gave me this book called Crusader Without Violence. And, and he says he felt that the Lord told him to give me this book because I guess what I was sharing, what I was saying, and some of my own background personally, he says, I had never seen that spirit before. And he said, I recognize it. When I was in Athens, Georgia in 1959, and I was at a conference, and Dr. King was there. 
and he signed this book in autograph. And he said, I want to give it to you. He said, young man, don't ever stop preaching what the Lord has told you to preach. And so you can see, as we celebrate Dr. King's birthday today and holiday, you can see he autographed this book. And it was given to me 12 years ago by a gentleman. Um, believe the Lord told him to give it to me. And so I kind of hold on to it. So I, after the service, make sure I don't forget anything, Dion. Because Sandra has told me if I don't bring this book back, that I'm not allowed to get back into the house. So I <laughs> so, want to start with that. I'm going to be speaking to you today on the power of love and forgiveness. Now, is that our custom back at Urban Hope? We normally have people stand, but because y'all are so young and so vibrant, you can just remain seated. <laughs> so, as I'm going to read a couple of passages of scriptures to you, and then we're going to dive into the word. The first one is coming from Luke chapter 23, verses 32 to 34. Two others who were criminals or goons, I like to say, were led away to put to death with him. And when they came to the place they called it the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 to 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Let's say a quick word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much here this morning. Bless thy servant. Help my throat. Clear my mind. Use me now for your glory's sake. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This morning, we are celebrating the life and service of one of the greatest leaders to ever have existed in America. And in my estimation, and in the world. He is one of my favorite, favorite people to read and to listen to. And I would say probably the best orator of the 20th century. He is my number one person to emulate, of course, after Jesus. Dr. Martin Luther King, we know that on April the 4th, 1968, I was two years old, he was assassinated. And on that day, people wept. People lamented for days, weeks, and months. And riots broke out all across America. Almost every urban center, Detroit, Chicago, Los Angeles, Birmingham, Cleveland, went up in smoke. 
people were distraught, disheartened. Riots taking place everywhere after the death of King. But during Dr. King's life, he had constant bomb threats to him and his family. And to try to get at the power of love and forgiveness, I want to show you just a clip, a two-minute clip of his life, of a story that took place in January the 30th, 1956. And so as they show you a video, I, I want to uh, just kind of tease out when I talk about the, the power of love and forgiveness. Dr. King's consistent message was love and forgiveness towards one's enemies. If you would have cut him open, what you would have seen, observed in the life of this man was a undeniable love for his or one's enemies. That's what I want to tease that out here today. And this is really important, especially for most of you in the room are considered to be what we call millennials. I know there are other professors in the room who are my age and older. But this is important, what I'm about to say. We live in a time where um, the message that King spoke with such eloquence and such authority is no longer on our blogs, it's not on our websites, it's not in our Snapchats, Instagram, it's just as by any means necessary. It's not this message that King lived and emulated. And we're, and we're in a time right now where anger and hostility in our country is at an all-time high. You see it everywhere. It's in the news. Flares. But King himself was a man who lived and taught love for one's enemies, and forgiveness. And so millennials, what I'm going to say here, from here on out, I really want you to take, because it's, it's, it's gospel one-on-one. The spirit of revenge is running rampant in our country, throughout our nation. People are seeking to hurt their enemies in the political world. And in the civilian world, hostility among ethnic groups is at the worst we've ever seen it. In fact, in studying for this sermon and, and, and just what I do, because I lived up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Chicago was one of my favorite cities to go and visit and just to kind of get some R&R. It had over 762 murders this past year. And most of them were related to revenge killings, which means people are seeking to do justice on their own terms, no longer waiting for God to bring justice or the, the judicial system to bring justice. They're doing justice by their own hands. My son got killed. 
I know you are shooting at him, so we're going to go kill somebody in your family. That's most of what you see happening in Chicago. It's revenge. People, I'm going to get you. You got someone in my family, you killed my brother, you killed my nephew, you killed my cousin, so I'm going to get someone in your family. So it's revenge killings. But justice is this notion of putting things back to what, what we call right or implementing what is normal or the way things supposed to be. It's what justice is. I know it carries with it a lot more terms and definitions, but at the heart is, is putting things back right. This is the right way. But the reality is, we live in a falling world. Genesis 3 has taken place. And so, people shouldn't kill people because of, they disagree with them politically. People shouldn't hate people because of their pigmentation, of their skin, or their religious views. People shouldn't do wrong because they can, but they do. And they do it all the time. People do these things to each other. They hurt each other. They kill each other. They rape and oppress each other. One of the beauty of living up to 50 years old, you see this. Even though I'm a pastor and I tell young people all the time, you know, because you're in Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that one day your husband, after 25 years of marriage, he may not just walk out and take the young lady down the road for whatever the reason and vice versa. Or someone will do something wrong. This is called life. Bad things happen to us all the time. People hurt people. People do wrong. People oppress people. People take advantage of people. People take people's land. People break into people's homes. Bad things happen to us in a falling Genesis 3 world. Call life. Guy gets in his car. He's had too much to drink. Runs the red light. And kills wife, son, or daughter. It's called life. It happens. But this is why when I read the story of Jesus, him dying from Luke's gospel, is so astounding to me. Because here Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. The question is, why are they killing Jesus? He's innocent. He's a, he's a good dude. I mean, he, he's, he has never lusted. He's never went on a porn site. I mean, he's a good guy. There's no vow in his mouth. There's no malice in Jesus. He's righteous. All the way through, from the top of his head down to the soles of his feet, Jesus Christ is righteous. But here on this scene, he's being crucified. And as he's being crucified, he's saying, Father, forgive them. Who are the them? Well, the people in front of him, all y'all, me included, in this room. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. But the question is, why are they killing Jesus? Because they don't like the things that he was saying to them. He exposed their greedy hearts, and their love for money. He exposed their false religious systems 
and told them the real truth about their hearts, that they needed a new heart. They needed to repent of their sins, and people didn't like that. He, they didn't like the fact that he was telling them the real, real truth, that you're not a good guy, and you're not a good girl. That gets you in trouble. Got Jesus in trouble. And while they were crucifying him, he utters, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. What do we call this? What's happening with Jesus? Seeing his enemies hit him. They whipped him. We saw the movie, The, the, the Passion of the Christ. And when that movie came out about 10 years ago, people, even though it, uh, Mel Gibson just tried to put a snippet of what Jesus went through, and people literally couldn't, couldn't stand it. They ran out of the theaters. They beat him. They hit him on his right side. They plucked his beard. They stuck a spear in his side. And he's uttering, Father, forgive them. I call this amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? That's Jesus. I'm forgiven, but you were forsaken. I'm accepted, but you were condemned. Father, forgive them. Well, some of you would say here today, well, Pastor Hardy, that's, that's Jesus. That's the son of God. He's, he's God in human flesh. I, I can't get down with that. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm a human being. Somebody hit me on my right cheek. We're duking it out. <laughs> Someone tracks me off the side of the road coming up this hill. You're really going up a mountain. I'm not putting a sign across. I'm throwing up another, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> We'll get to the chapel and I'll repent later. <laughs> if he stops, I stop, we fight it out. <laughs> Man, you cut me off. But this is why I love Dr. King. He's one of my favorite heroes to emulate. Because Dr. King, as you saw in the video, he exhorted himself and the people to love their enemies and to forgive them and to do good to them and to meet hate with love. Now, it's one thing to say this when your enemy hasn't done anything to you yet. It's just kind of an abstract enemy. It's a whole nother thing to emulate this amazing kind of love and forgiveness when your enemy has just tried to kill your wife and your 10-week-old baby girl. I want you to get in the scene. He comes to a house. They have just tried to kill his wife and his 10-week-old baby daughter. And Dr. King comes on the scene, and then Montgomery night of January the 30th, 1956, and King said to the people that night, don't get your weapons. If you have weapons, take them home. He who lives by the sword will perish by the sword. Remember that it was Jesus who said this. We are, no, we are not advocating violence. We want to love our enemies. And I want you to love your enemies. Be good to them. This is what we must live by. 
we must meet hate with love. That's what King said on that night. Now, before we just build Dr. King up too much, Dr. King had weaknesses. He had sinful proclivities like we all do. He was not a man whose hands didn't touch sand. We know that. But yet he was consumed by love for others and for his enemies. But what is motivating Dr. King? How did he get this love? Did he just go down to Kmart? Hey, can I get a can of love? Did he go on the internet? Internet didn't didn't exist then. How did he get this love? How did he get the love to come to that night to see his enemy who had just tried to kill his wife and his baby girl? And yet, he didn't go and start a war. Well, the answer is found in Ephesians where Paul tells these Ephesians people who are coming into the church and just like life, they've experienced all kinds of injustice, Jew and Gentile hostility that existed between them. The Jew don't like the Gentile and the Gentile sure don't like them. But they're now they've been called into the church. They've been called out of darkness and into the light. And Paul exhorts them with these words. He says, let all bitterness, Pycrea is the Greek word, which means things have been done to you. You're angry. People hurt you. Your girlfriend left you. Your wife abandoned you and your children. Your husband walked out on you. Someone killed your son. Things have been done to you and I. And so bitterness sets up in our hearts. But Paul says, let go of the bitterness and the wrath and the anger and the clamor and the slander be put away from you. How do we do this? How did King do it? And Paul says, here's the heart of the gospel. He says, instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. That's the remedy. That's the hope. That's the essence. That's what Dr. King emulated. He was able to look at his enemies and to forgive those who just have tried to kill his baby daughter. How did he muster it up? He knew this very well. You can let go of bitterness. You can let go of anger. Why? Because in Jesus Christ, on that night, when he was being killed, while you and I were enemies, sinners, enemies of the cross, going about doing our own thing, Jesus on that night, suffering with all the pain of sin and what it brought upon him, says, Father, forgive him, her. My brothers and sisters, that's what moved Dr. King. We ever needed a message in our hearts in this day and hour. I think people hear about the gospel. They hear it. But I'm talking about a gospel that can look at your enemies and give love and forgiveness all at the same time. Only Jesus Christ can do that. 
And as we celebrate this day, here's what a lot of us don't know. If King didn't do what he did, we would still be in a civil war. Because there were many people like Malcolm X, Stokey Carmichael, and many others were talking, well, how come we just can't pick up guns and just go get revenge? And that same voice is going throughout the land. Dr. Umar Johnson and many others are, are turning people to go away from this message of love and forgiveness. People are looking for other remedies. How do we get along? How do we make things right? And I think Paul would answer you, and I close with this. You get rid of bitterness, anger, clamor, malice, slander. You forgive. You love. And the whole premise is just as God and Christ has forgiven you. And when that man heard me on that day, I have many horror stories. But when Jesus came, and the message that I have throughout my southern Presbyterian island of Birmingham, you can cut Pastor Hardy open. There is no sting in me. Because Jesus Christ takes away the sting. Let us pray. Lord, today, if there be any sting in anyone here in this room today, you by your spirit, I pray that you would remove it. And grant them that power and love to forgive those who have hurt them that they may in return bless them and pray for them as you have commanded us in your holy scriptures. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.